Chapter 10, Part 3 of The Colored Cadet at West Point. Autobiography of Lieutenant Henry Ashen Flipper, USA, first graduate of color from the U.S. Military Academy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. The Colored Cadet at West Point. Autobiography of Lieutenant Henry Ashen Flipper, USA. First graduate of color from the U.S. Military Academy. Chapter 10, Part 3. Treatment. It has often occurred to me that the terms prejudice of race, of color, etc., were misnomers, and for this reason. As soon as I show that I have some good qualities, do some act of kindness in spite of insult, my color is forgotten, and I am well treated. Again, I have observed that colored men of character and intellectual ability have been treated as men should be, by all, whether friends or enemies. That is to say, no prejudice of color or race has ever been manifested. I have been so treated by men I knew to be, to use a political term, vile Democrats. Unfortunately, a bad temper, precipitation, stubbornness, and like qualities, all due to non-education, are too often attributes of colored men and women. These characteristics lower the race in the estimation of the whites, and produce, I think, what we call prejudice. In fact, I believe prejudice is due solely to non-education and its effects in one or perhaps both races. Prejudice of, well, any word that will express these several characteristics would be better, as it would be near the truth. There is, of course, a very large class of ignorant and partially cultured whites whose conceptions can find no other reason for prejudice than that of color. I doubt very much whether they are prejudiced on that account as it is. I rather think they are so because they know others are for some reason, and so cringing are they in their weakness that they follow like so many trained curs. This is the class we in the South are accustomed to call the poor white trash, and speaking of them generally, I can neglect them in this discussion of my treatment, and without material error. In camp at night, the duties of the officers of the guard are discharged part of the night by the senior, and the other part by the junior officer. As soon as it was night, to revert to the subject of this article, my junior came to me and asked how I wished to divide the night tour. Just suit yourself. If you have any reason for wanting a particular part of the night, I shall be pleased to have you take it. He chose the latter half of the night, and asked me to wake him at a specified time. After this he discovered a reason for taking the first half, and coming to me said, If it makes no difference to you, I will take the first half of the night. As you like, was my reply. You pile in, then, and I'll wake you in time, was his reply. Observe the familiarity in this rejoinder. The guard was turned out and inspected by the officer of the day at about 12.20 p.m. After the inspection, I retired, and was awakened between 1 and 2 p.m. by my junior, who then retired for the night. The officer in charge turned out and inspected the guard between 2 and 3 p.m. Several of the cadets were reported to me by the corporals for violating regulations. The reports were duly recorded in the guard report for the day. 
I myself reported but one cadet, and his offense was absence from tattoo roll call of guard. These reports were put in under my signature, though not at all made by me, as also was another of a very grave nature. It seems, for I didn't know the initial circumstances of the case, that a citizen visiting at West Point asked a cadet if he could see a friend of his who was a member of the Corps. The cadet at once sought out the corporal then on duty, and asked him to go to camp and turn out this friend. The corporal did not go. The cadet who requested him to do so reported the fact to the officer of the day. The latter came at once to me and directed me, as officer of the guard, to order him to go and turn out the cadet, and to see that he did it. I did as ordered. The corporal replied, I have turned him out. As the cadet did not make his appearance, the officer of the day himself went into camp, brought him out to his citizen friend, and then ordered me in positive terms to report the corporal for gross disobedience of orders. I communicated to him the corporal's reply and received a repetition of his order. I obeyed it, entering on my guard report the following. Disobedience of orders, not turning out a cadet for citizen when ordered to do so by the officer of the guard. The commandant sent for me, and learned from me all the circumstances of the case as far as I knew them. He made similar requirements of the corporal himself. Connected with this case is another which, I think, should be recorded to show how some have been disposed to act and think concerning myself. At the dinner-table, and on the very day this affair above mentioned occurred, a cadet asked another if he had heard about blank, mentioning the name of the cadet corporal. "'No, I haven't,' he replied. "'What's the matter with him?' "'Why, the officer of the day ordered him reported for disobedience of orders, and served him right, too. "'What was it? Whose orders did he disobey?' "'Some sit wanted to see a cadet,' and asked Corporal Blank if he could do so. Corporal Blank asked Blank, who was then on duty, to go to camp and turn him out. He didn't do it, but went off and began talking with some ladies. The officer of the day directed the senior officer of the guard to order him to go. He did order him to go, and Blank replied, I have turned him out, and didn't go. The officer of the day then turned him out, and ordered him to be reported for disobedience of orders, and I say served him right. I don't see it, was the reply. Don't see it? Why, Blank's relief was on post, and it was his duty to attend to all such calls during his tour, and besides, I think ordinary politeness would have been sufficient to make him go. Well, I can sympathize with him anyhow. Sympathize with him? How so? because he's on guard today. What an excellent reason, because he's on guard today, or, in other words, because I was in command of the guard. He then went on to speak of the injustice of the report, the malice and spirit of retaliation shown in giving it, and hoped that the report would not be the cause of any punishment, and all this because the report was under my signature. When the corporal replied to me that he had turned out the cadet, I considered it a satisfactory answer, supposing the cadet's non-appearance was due to delay in arranging his toilet. I had no intention of reporting him, and did so only in obedience to positive orders. There surely was nothing malicious or retaliatory in that, 
and to condemn me for discharging the first of all military duties viz obedience of orders is but to prove the narrowness of the intellect and the baseness of the character which are vaunted as so far superior to those of the negro cadet and which condemn him and his actions for no other reason than that they are his how could it be otherwise than that he is isolated and persecuted when such minds are concerned in his written explanation to the commandant the corporal admitted the charge of disobedience of orders on his part but excused himself by saying he had delegated another cadet to discharge the duty for him this was contrary to regulations and still further aggravated his offence for an incident connected to this tour of guard duty see chapter on incidents humor etc the only case of downright malice that has come to my knowledge and i'm sure the only one that ever occurred is the following it is a custom as old as the institution i dare say for cadets of the first and second classes to march in the front rank while all others take their places in the rear rank with the exception that third classmen may be in the front rank whenever it is necessary for the proper formation of the company to put them there the need of such a custom is apparent fourth classmen or plebes not accustomed to marching and keeping dressed are therefore unfit to be put in the front rank third classmen have to give way to the upper classmen on account of their superior rank and are able to march in the front rank only when put there or allowed to remain there by the file closers when i was a plebe and also during my third class year i marched habitually in the rear rank as stated with reason elsewhere but when i became a second classman and had by class rank a right to the front rank i took my place there just about this time i distinctly heard the cadet captain of my company say to the first sergeant or rather ask him why he did not put me in the rear rank the first sergeant replied curtly because he's a second classman now and i have no right to do it this settled the question for the time indeed for quite a while till the incident above referred to occurred at a formation of the company for retreat parade in the early spring of seventy six it was necessary to transfer someone from the front to the rear rank now instead of transferring a third classman the sergeant on the left of the company ordered me a second classman into the rear rank i readily obeyed because i felt sure i'd be put back after the company was formed and inspected as had been done by him several times before but this was not done i turned to the sergeant and reminded him that he had not put me back where i belonged he at once did so without apparent hesitation or unwillingness he however reported me for speaking to him about the discharge of his duties for this offence i submitted the following explanation west point new york april eleventh eighteen seventy six offence speaking to sergeant about formation of company at parade explanation i would respectfully state that the above report is a mistake i said nothing whatever about the formation of the company i was put in the rear rank and contrary to custom left there as soon as the command in place rest was given i turned to the nearest sergeant and said mr blank can i take my place in the front rank he leaned to the front and looked along the line i then said there are men in the front rank who are junior to me i added a moment after there is one just up there motioning with my head the direction meant he made the change respectfully submitted henry o flipper cadet private company d first class
to Lieutenant Colonel Blank, Commanding Corps of Cadets. This explanation was sent by the Commandant to the reporting sergeant. He endorsed it in about the following words. Respectfully returned with the following statement. It was necessary, in forming the company, to put Cadet Flipper in the rear rank, and as I saw no third-classman in the front rank, I left him there, as stated. I reported him because I did not think he had any right to speak to me about the discharge of my duty. Blank, Cadet Sergeant, Company D. A polite question, a reflection on the manner of discharging one's duty. A queer construction indeed. Observe, he says he saw no third-classman in the front rank. It was his duty to be sure about it, and if there was one there, to transfer him to the rear and myself to the front rank. In not doing so, he neglected his duty and imposed upon me and the dignity of my class. I was, therefore, entirely justified in calling his attention to his neglect. This is a little thing, but it should be borne in mind that it is nevertheless of the greatest importance. We know what effect comity or international politeness has on the relations or intercourse between nations. The most trifling acts, such as congratulations on a birth or marriage in the reigning family, are wonderfully efficacious in keeping up that feeling of amity which is so necessary to peace and continued friendship between states. To disregard these little things is considered unfriendly and may be the cause of serious consequences. There is a like necessity, I think, in our own case. Any affront to me, which is also an affront to my class and its dignity, deserves punishment or satisfaction. To demand it, then, gives my class a better opinion of me, and serves to keep that opinion in as good condition as possible. I knew well that there were men in the Corps who would readily seize any possible opportunity to report me, and I feared at the time that I might be reported for speaking to the sergeant. I was especially careful to guard against anger or roughness in my speech, and to put my demand in the politest form possible. The offense was removed. I received no demerits, and the sergeant had the pleasure or displeasure of grieving at the failure of his report. I am sorry to know that I have been charged by some not so well acquainted with West Point and life there as they should be to criticize with manifesting a lack of dignity and that I allowed myself to be insulted, imposed upon, and otherwise ill-treated. There appears to them too great a difference between the treatment of former colored cadets and that of myself, and the only way they are pleased to account for this difference is to say that my good treatment was due to want of spunk and even to fear, as some have said. It evidently never occurred to them that my own conduct determined, more than all things else, the kind of treatment I would receive. Everyone not stubbornly prejudiced against West Point, and therefore not disposed to censure or criticize everything said or done there, knows how false the charge is. And those who make it scarcely deserve my notice. I would say to them, however, that true dignity, selon nous, consists in being above the rabble and their insults, and particularly in remaining there. To stoop to retaliation is not compatible with true dignity, nor is vindictiveness manly. Again, the experiment suggested by my accusers has been abundantly tried, and proved a most ridiculous failure, while my own led to a glorious success. I do not mean to boast or do anything of the kind, 
but I would suggest to all future colored cadets to base their conduct on the Aristotelian, the golden mean. It is by far the safer and surely the most Christian course. Before closing this chapter, I would add with just pride that I have ever been treated by all other persons connected with the academy, not officially, as becomes one gentleman to treat another. I refer to servants, soldiers, other enlisted men, and employees. They have done for me whatever I wished, whenever I wished, and as I wished, and always kindly and willingly. They have even done things for me to the exclusion of others. This is important when it is remembered that the employees, with one exception, are white. National Schools and Snobocracy Cadet Smith has arrived in Columbia. He did not pass. Phoenix Alexander Boucher, a young man of color, graduates from Yale College, holding the fifth place in the largest class graduated from that ancient institution. Exchange These simple announcements from different papers tersely sum up the distinction between the military and civil education of this country. One is exclusive, snobbish, and narrow. The other is liberal and democratic. No one who has watched the course of Cadet Smith and the undemocratic, selfish, and snobbish treatment he has experienced from the Martinets of West Point, men educated at the expense of the government, supported by Negro taxes as well as white, who attempt to dictate who shall receive the benefits of an education in our national charity schools. No one who has read of his court-martialings, the degradations and the petty insults inflicted upon him, can help feeling that he returns home today, in spite of the phoenix's sneers, a young hero who has passed in grit, pluck, perseverance, and all the better qualities which go to make up true manhood, and only has been found because rebel sympathizers at West Point, the fledglings of caste and the Secretary of War, do not intend to allow, if they can prevent it, a negro to graduate at West Point or Annapolis, if he is known to be a negro. Anyone conversant with educational matters who has examined the examinations for entrance or the curriculum of the naval and military academies will not for a moment believe that their requirements, not as high as those demanded for an ordinary New England high school, and by no means equal in thoroughness, quantity, or quality to that demanded for entrance at Yale, Amherst, Dartmouth, or Brown, are too high or abstruse to be compassed by Negroes, some of whom have successfully stood all these, and are now pursuing their studies in the best institutions of the North. No fair-minded man believes that Smith, Napier, and Williams, Conyers, and McClellan have had impartial treatment. The government itself has been remiss in not throwing about them the protection of its authority. Had these colored boys been students at St. Cyr in Paris, or Woolwich in England under despotic France and aristocratic England, they would have been treated with that courtesy and justice of which the average white American has no idea. The South once ruled West Point, much to its detriment in loyalty, however much, by reason of sending boys more than prepared. It dominated in scholarship. It seeks to recover the lost ground, and rightly fears to meet on terms of equality in the camp the sons of fathers to whom it refused quarter in the war and butchered in cold blood at Fort Pillow. We cannot expect the sons to forget the lessons of the sires, but we have a right to demand from the general government the rooting out of all snobbery at West Point, 
whether it is of that kind which sends poor white boys to coventry because they haven't a family name or wealth or whether it be that smallest meanest and shallowest of all aristocracies the one founded upon color if the government is not able to root out these unrepublican seeds in these hotbeds of disloyalty and snobbery then let congress shut up the useless and expensive appendages and educate its officers at the colleges of the country where they may learn lessons in true republican equality and nationality the remedy lies with congress a remonstrance at least should be heard from the colored members of congress who are insulted whenever a colored boy is ill-treated by the students or the officers of these institutions so far from being discouraged by defeats the unjust treatment meted out to these young men should redouble the efforts of others of their class to carry this new bastille by storm it should lead every colored congressman to make sure that he either sends a colored applicant or a white one who has not the seeds of snobbery and caste in his soul smith after four years of torture comes home is driven home because forsooth he might attend the ball next year he is hounded out of the academy because he would have to be assigned to a white regiment there are some negroes who feel that their rights in the land of their birth are superior to the prejudices of the enemies of the union and who dare to speak and write in behalf of these rights as their fathers dared to fight for them a very few years ago boucher under civil rule enters yale college the best prepared student of one hundred and thirty freshmen and all through his course is treated like a gentleman both by the faculty and the students men who know what justice means and have some adequate idea of the true theory of education and gentlemanly conduct two freed boys from north carolina and south carolina slaves during the war prepare at the best northern academics and enter without remonstrance amherst and dartmouth what divinity then hedges west point and annapolis what but the old rebel spirit which seeks again to control them for use in future rebellions as it did in the past the war developed some unwelcome truths with regard to this snobbish and disloyal spirit of our national institutions and the exploits of some volunteer officers showed that all manhood bravery skill and energy were not contained in west point or annapolis or if there did not pertain solely to the petty cliques that aimed to give tone to those academies it is not for any officer the creature of the government it is not for any student the willing ward of that government to say who shall enter the national schools and be the recipients of my bounty it is the duty of every member of congress to see that the government sanctions no such spirit and it becomes every loyal citizen who wishes to avoid the mistakes of the former war to see to it that no class be excluded and that every boy once admitted shall have the strictest justice dealt out to him a thing which thus far has not been done in the case of the colored cadets the true remedy lies in the feelings and sympathies of the officers of these academies in the ability and fair investigations of the board of examiners not from such gentlemen as at present seem to rule these institutions nigger nigorum this article was taken from some south carolina paper during the summer of seventy four its tone is in accordance with the multitude of articles upon the same subject which occurred about the same time and like them all or most of them is rather far-fetched it is too broad its denunciations cover too much ground they verge upon untruth 
as to conyers and mcclellan at the naval academy i know nothing of napier i know nothing of smith i prefer to say nothing of williams i do express the belief that his treatment was impartial and just he was regularly and rightly found deficient and duly dismissed the article seems to imply that he should not have been found and dismissed simply because he was a negro a very shallow reason indeed and one no fair-minded man will for an instant entertain of four years life at the academy i spent the first with smith rooming with him during the first half year williams was also in the corps with us the two following years i was alone the next and last year of my course i spent with whittaker of south carolina i have thus had an opportunity to become acquainted with smith's conduct and that of the cadets toward him smith had trouble under my own eyes on more than one occasion and whittaker has already received blows in the face but i have not had so much as an angry word to utter there is a reason for all this and had nigger nigorum been better acquainted with it he had never made the blunder he has footnote johnson chestnut whittaker of camden south carolina appointed to fill vacancy created by smith's dismissal after several white candidates so appointed had failed entered the academy in september eighteen seventy six shortly after entering he was struck in the face by a young man from alabama for sneering at him as he said while passing by him whittaker immediately reported the affair to the cadet officer of the day by whose efforts this belligerent alabama gentleman was brought before a court-martial tried found guilty and suspended for something over six months thus being compelled to join the next class that entered the academy end of footnote i cannot venture more on the treatment of colored cadets generally without disregarding the fact that this is purely a narrative of my own treatment and life at west point to go further into that subject would involve much difference of opinion hard feelings in certain quarters and would cause a painful and needless controversy End of chapter 10, part 3. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.